0: When I have the privilege to celebrate the divine liturgy of St. John Chrysostom in the Ukrainian Rite, which is one of 24 churches of the East in communion with Rome, there's a marvelous prayer that is said by the priests and the lay people just prior to receiving the precious body and blood of Jesus. This prayer is said out loud. It is a testament of faith, an affirmation that one is not receiving a symbol but the ultimate reality, the Lord himself, and in doing so receives the remission of sin and the pledge of eternal life. This wonderful prayer is also used in all the Orthodox churches, and while there are slight variations The the wording of the prayer in general goes like this. I believe, O Lord, and I confess that thou art truly the Christ, the Son of the living God, who didst come into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. And I believe that this is truly thine own immaculate body and that this is truly thine own precious blood, Wherefore, I pray thee, have mercy upon me and forgive my transgressions, both voluntary and involuntary, of word and of deed, of knowledge and of ignorance, and make me worthy to partake without condemnation of thine immaculate mysteries, unto remission of my sins and unto life everlasting. Amen. Of thy mystical supper, O Son of God, Accept me today as a communicant, for I will not speak of thy mystery to thine enemies, neither will I give thee a kiss as to Judas. But like the thief, I will confess thee. Remember me, O Lord, in thy kingdom, not unto judgment nor unto condemnation by my partaking of thy holy mysteries, O Lord, but unto the healing of soul and body. For Catholics... Eastern and Latin, and for Orthodox, there is the fundamental truth that it is Christ Himself who feeds us in the Eucharist. And while there are a few churches among the 44,000 Protestant denominations in the United States that claim to have a Eucharist, like the Lutherans, the Episcopalians, the Anglicans, some of the Church of Christ churches. The reality is they do not have a Eucharist, nor can they. Why? They broke with the apostolic succession the very authority that Christ personally gave to his apostles and through them to their successors, the bishops and priests, an authority absolutely necessary to truly make bread and wine the body and blood of the Lord. Only the Catholic and the Orthodox churches have retained this unbroken chain of apostolic authority. It is why I became a Catholic. Now, I say this not in snobbish arrogance, but as the truth, spoken with charity and not too little sadness. I remember on the night that I was ordained a priest, my sister, a Lutheran, was unable to receive Holy Communion, as was the case of all my family. We cannot receive communion until we are in communion. We pray for that day in God's good timing. Jesus established the Eucharist and the priesthood within the context of Passover, the annual celebration of God's active presence in history, delivering his people from slavery in Egypt. We saw this in our first reading from the book of Exodus. Exodus. The lamb that was sacrificed must be consumed, eaten. This is critical. Why? Consuming the sacred meal strengthens the bonds of family, of community, and most critically, brings one into communion with God. The final verse of our Exodus reading better translates from the Hebrew as this day shall be to you one of remembrance. The Hebrew word is zakar. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord throughout the ages. You shall celebrate it as an institution for all time. The chosen people are to always zakar, remember. From the Hebraic mindset, Remembering is not passive, but active. To realize that in one's own history, God is as active, saving, real, present, and vital now as he was at that first Passover. Time is meaningless. Far from being the language of symbol, we have the language of reality. The language of divine presence among God's people. Therefore, when Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, the Son of God, established the mystery of the Eucharist during a Jewish feast and commanded and empowered his Jewish apostles, do this in memory of me, do this in remembrance of me, we again have not the language of symbol The language of reality, the language of divine presence among us, wherever, whenever, the church, the people, and their priest celebrate the Eucharist. Jesus is as active, real, present, vital, saving now as at that first Eucharist. As the Hebrew people had to consume the sacrificial lamb's flesh to be in communion with God and with one another, so too we must consume the lamb of God's flesh to be in communion with him and with one another. Let's turn our attention to that curious expression in our gospel reading, the hour. It is all too common to hear people say that Jesus was a victim of the mounting tensions between the Roman political authorities and the Jewish religious authorities. Nonsense. As I indicated on Palm Sunday, Jesus was not a victim at all. As God, Jesus is Lord and Master of time and history, not their victim. He knew the precise hour when his death would bring life to the world. No one could force his hand to reveal himself prematurely and thwart his father's will. The devil tried, and he failed at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. As the hour of Jesus' death and our salvation approached, He knew the time had come to hand on to his apostles the mystery of the Eucharist, to feed all future generations with his body and blood for the forgiveness of our sins and his pledge that we will have eternal life right now. This would give all who receive the strength to endure the darkness of this world that relentlessly tempts us to forget, surrender our eternal dignity and destiny. There is, however, a dark side to this holy night that we cannot ignore. Like the other apostles, Judas also received the Eucharist he also received the authority as an apostle to celebrate the Eucharist. And yet, he betrayed Jesus. Why? Only Judas and God know for sure. Judas was a member of the zealot party of Judaism that believed the Messiah was to be a warrior Messiah who would overthrow the Romans. Perhaps Judas thought that if he could only put Jesus into a position where he, that would compel him to reveal his power as Messiah, the Romans would be eradicated from Israel and the throne of King David would be restored. We are told in the text, the devil had already induced Judas, son of Simon the Iscariot, to hand him over. But what does that mean? What does that tell us? We should never underestimate how well the devil reads us or his skill at inflaming our passions and how easily he manipulates our puny, limited perceptions to achieve his goal, to get us to work against God's will. Every one of us in this church, every Christian, whatever their church, is only a hair's width away from being a Judas. If we fail to be vigilant in staying in communion with Jesus and his church, we enter the sacred act of zakar, remembering, we enter into the mystery of Jesus establishing the sacrament of the Eucharist, not as a memorial to the distant past using the language of symbol, but celebrated as a living reality with the language of reality. Through the authority that Jesus gave to his church, he breaks into this night his divine life. As he did at that first Eucharist, assuring us he is as real, present, vital, and saving now as he was at that first Eucharist. As we receive the holy gifts, may our words, be they our own, be like those of our Eastern brothers and sisters. I believe, O Lord, and I confess that thou art truly the Christ, the Son of the living God, who didst come into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. And I believe that this is truly thine own immaculate body, and that this is truly thine own precious blood. May all of us lay people and priests throughout the world, show the reverence this holy mystery deserves by the way we celebrate this mystery, by the way we receive Jesus tonight, and how we live our lives.